What's up, listeners? Another episode of Unverified Accounts here. I'm your host, Chris, along with Liza and Philip. What's up? What's up? Hello. And special guest, which I'm sure a lot of our listeners are probably familiar with, Jess from Plan A. What's up, Jess? Hey, really happy to be here. Hi, Jess. This is going to be fun. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, We're going to talk about a classic movie. It just came out, Moxie. But (laughs) Jess, uh, I'm so glad to have you on. But there is, I mean, besides your, you know, incredible wit and charm, another Uh, reason we wanted to bring you on is that big news, new developments between Unverified Accounts and Escape from Plan A. We are going to merge slash integrate. I I don't know the right word to use because merge makes it sound too corporate. Integrate sounds kind of like, you know, desegregation. So ooh, that ooh, just. What about? I know, I know. Um, what if we say marry them together? Yeah. See, <laughs> yeah. that's that's the language now. We are going to welcome uh, unverified accounts into the Escape from Plan A family. But it's, it's kind of like be... a welcome back, though, right? Because... Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's not even yeah, really that. It's, just more it's like, like a yeah. It's like a real reunion. Mm-hmm. reunification it's a reunion thing yeah. yeah it's not a it's not a merger it's not an integration it's not a buyout uh we're not gonna be stifling the voices <laughs> it's a leverage buyout. you're just you're just adding us to your your dot rss file on the on the feed is really what's happening you want to get technical yeah. about it <laughs> yeah phil come in with the technical the technical yeah. details yeah so for practical concerns uh our our episodes are now going to be on the escape from plan a feed so no more episodes will come out on this feed our last one uh on this feed will be our next one we decided episode 40 nice round number uh and then all our future episodes will be on escape from plan a i mean one of the reasons we're doing this is that we just started a live stream on plan a so adding that and this podcast and the two episodes we do every week for plan a it was just getting to be a lot of work for a lot of us so uh, these unverified accounts episodes will replace start maybe a couple of uh, plan A episodes, like say one free and one bonus every month. We'll see where it goes from there. And it's also going to help because uh, when we first planned unverified accounts, what we really wanted this to be was uh, one where we would dive really deeply into one or several movies or a book or a TV show. What we quickly found out was yeah, it's actually a lot of work to do that, especially books um, and especially TV shows, even movies. Like I just finished watching Moxie like today. Um, so if we don't have to do it every week, we can kind of save our powder and really uh, do some, I think, very interesting episodes where we probably link up, you know, movies you might not think uh, should be paired up and stuff. But, you know, you combine them, you got something cool. So, yeah. But but also we can we can let you know our listeners know hey we're gonna do this big book or this series of movies or this TV show and give you some time to actually catch up on it if you want before yeah we so spoil, it'll spoil everything it, right it'll be like a book club mm-hmm. movie club kind of thing yeah. um we've already got a lot of good ideas coming up and you know we'll have a lot, you know other Plan A people come on regularly so uh, yeah I think it's gonna be a lot of fun and um, I'm I'm super excited this is mm-hmm. gonna be great yeah okay so uh, before we get into Moxie which I. I really want to talk about because I don't think it's the worst movie I've ever seen. It's definitely the most... <laughs> no, it's up there. It's, it's up the, there. It's definitely the most cringe movie I've ever seen. I have never actually, I think, groaned out aloud, let alone several times in a movie. I did that so much <laughs> with this. So uh, there's so this much is juicy... A, this is a movie where like spoilers everywhere and you don't even need the warning because um you audience doesn't the, our audience does not need to watch this movie so yeah like, we we sacrifice ourselves for you so yeah be so, grateful listeners i don't even uh, know if we can call them spoilers you know yeah it's, it's like definitely anything yeah it's it's a, the movie started spoiled so you know <laughs> there's nothing you can do but yeah yeah 
Yeah, Norman it's been the worst movie I've yeah. seen in a long time. I've been like preserving my peace, as they say. <laughs> like I only watch like good stuff, stuff that I know that I'd like. Uh, so like, so this one hit my eyeballs like a like a lead brick. It was bad. Yeah. We hate watch nice. a lot on this show, and I got to say that this is probably one of the worst hate watches we've done. Yeah, as I said, I don't ever bad. actually remember groaning aloud. But you know, we'll get to that in in due time. Yeah, actually, um, you guys did a you guys did a real solid for me because i just listen to your episodes so i don't watch a lot of stuff i just listen oh, to your well, episode and be like you. yeah that's <laughs> yeah i believe them i don't need to i i got everything i needed to know from my friends over here but what moxie has going for it is that it's at least bad in an interesting way uh it's not bad in a totally forgettable way there's like so much to dissect in this movie in how bad it is so i will give it that credit yeah i think everything we, we watch or read or whatever that's I bad don't know. is bad in an interesting way well so. that's why we now do it you right guys are were, getting kind yeah. of generous <laughs> yeah it's worth talking about okay all right uh, uh i see somebody wanted to talk about elon musk on saturday night live yeah does anyone, does anyone here own dogecoin no. i do yeah oh, okay jess does jess i is do the expert did, did you go early jess uh have you made a profit off of it I, I have. Yeah, it's been a pretty oh, nice. wild ride. Nice. Yeah. Because I just checked right now. I think it's down to about 45 cents. So I think a lot mm-hmm. a lot of people who bought it, hoping it would uh, shoot up after SNL uh, lost money. So Yeah. Uh, I mean, interesting stuff about that. Like, I, I actually, I, I got some a long time ago, um, just because it was so ridiculous. Um, and I'd forgotten about it for a long time. And actually, oh, wow. you um, must be very well off i mean uh considering from your initial investment uh yeah cons- from that but it was also like like seven years in the making right a lot mm-hmm. like there's like it's so out of the blue that this happened uh like this is this is nothing to do with like savvy investment or anything this is just a sign <laughs> of the crazy times like there is one absolute whale of a of a doge coin account um that's currently worth like 22 billion u.s dollars um, Wait, is that how you pronounce it, Doge? Uh, you you can go back and forth on I've it. I've been uh, saying Dogecoin this whole time. Yeah, you can. Uh, like originally, the the meme is uh, is Doge, um, oh. but a lot of people do say Doge. And at this point, like you know, what are rules? On rules SNL, they said Dogecoin too. Like yeah, Elon I guess. Himself. If, oh, okay, if, well, you know, uh, he's the prophet, so we must listen Elon to him. If Daddy Elon says, then I guess it's Doge, but, you know, <laughs> Look, if you're, if I was in it before, it Doge, I was in it before lost, him, though, so. You've lost you money. I mean? If you're calling it Doge, like, Jess, you've made money. That's basically where it's at right now. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Um, but, yeah, this this total whale of account, it's currently valued, or was, who knows what it is right now, like, at, at its peak, around, like, 60 cents, this one account was worth 22 billion USD based on initial investments of probably like like this account started purchasing uh now i'm like uh, do i say doge what what do i say like first started buying in 2019 um like pretty modest buys at that point and then it seems like they completely forgot about it Mm -hmm. uh because there has been no activity coming into or out of this wallet hmm pretty awesome for whoever that is so like so, so it's quite possible someone like made the big like a the biggest lottery win of all time and like didn't <laughs> like d- hasn't realized it or they've been um, like assassinated by hitmen purchased ironically by you know bitcoin and they just haven't figured the password out yet <laughs> Who knows? Well, they're gonna be at it for a while some of these pass i mean if you put a decent password on you're gonna be at this for a minute uh, <laughs> but i mean funny enough like i first uh started like i first i made my first buy like did you guys see um cal penn has has that yeah. show on amazon no what's it about 
Um, it's about the economy. It's actually a really good series. I recommend it quite a bit. Um, I think it's called this this crazy. It's a long title. It's like this crazy beast that is the modern global economy or something. Let me look mm, it up real okay. quick. Uh, it's a limited series. Um, um, and he just goes around like he just. It's it's like a tr- like a food show, but this time like oh this giant beast that is the global economy. Uh, it has to be a comedy because only comedies have titles that long. Uh, it is pretty funny, but I think it's more like man on the ground, like, okay, like, consi- like he's just being the completely uh, clueless guy trying to learn about uh, big pieces of the global economy. Uh, so mm-hmm. uh, one episode of that is dedicated to like cryptocurrency. And so like it actually interviews the creator of Dogecoin, uh, mm-hmm. talks to that guy that accidentally threw away that uh, Bitcoin uh, wallet that's sitting in a... <laughs> a dump somewhere in england no it's crazy stuff like he would yeah it like and this show like he he filmed that like 2019 um around when like bitcoin was worth like it had topped out at like twenty thousand dollars and at that point it was it had it like that wallet alone would be worth like close to a billion um so imagine that but then it has like basically tripled in value and this guy just chucked it. That. He accidentally just like it's like every person's nightmare kind of. <laughs> like he just accidentally threw away this like heart this you know like portable hard drive that all those <sighs> bitcoins were sitting on. Jeez. Yeah. So it's like it's like pictures of him like pining outside the gates of the uh the dump <laughs> because he can't he can't he's like lobbying to get permission to actually excavate to find this this damned hard drive. Um but they but they they kept refusing. That's like a just like a hellish nightmare, you know the the idea of, of like losing something small and something so vast, and now you gotta yeah. spend the rest of your life looking for it. It's like, oh it's like flushing your engagement ring down the toilet or something. <laughs> nah, you can replace it, that. Well, and then yeah. you gotta go into the Time sewers. Is like <laughs> billions of dollars. Like, what it's the hell not, kind of ring? Philip, you just seem to have experience with that. No, I'm just saying, you know, billions of dollars versus like a ring that you could replicate, whatever, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. See, don't tell your wife he, that though. <laughs> Well, if you had the billions from that Bitcoin wallet, then it wouldn't be like. Don't worry, honey. Yeah, I can replace problem. that. No problem. No, I meant I meant Philip and his engagement ring. If he, oh, if he should yeah. ever lose it. Plot twist: I did not purchase an engagement ring. So there you go. Oh, okay. see, that's the winner move. <laughs> yeah, this man's covered all his bases. Mm-hmm. So, so Jesse, do you watch the SNL thing with uh, Elon? I didn't. I'm just not a. I just don't like SNL. Uh, in general i'll yeah, probably get around to watching the episode um uh, so it's not a, it's not a thing about like elon musk or anything i just don't like the i just don't like snl i don't like snl either but i was intrigued because it's elon and people were just mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. i don't know just like tearing their faces off because they're just so deranged and angry yeah. about it so i watched they're it like, How can- and it was like it's it's funny i thought i actually thought it was one of their funniest episodes in a while um i don't think i watched snl since um well, like a whole episode of SNL, probably not since Donald Trump was on. Oh, really? Yeah, I think that's the that, last that time. That was the other I controversial. Watch, like, when, David Chappelle, when Dave Chappelle is on, I only watch the monologue and then I, I don't watch anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, the critique was really ridiculous. So just for that, I want to add my click, my view to the total tally. They're like, how can I you platform don't get someone like for Elon, Elon Musk. Musk? What is it? What's, like, you know, what's the big it's, deal? It's completely misdirected. Um, like all of the things that the critics say are act- are true, but mm-hmm. you're missing a systemic cr- critique, 
right? They're mm-hmm. like, oh, this is a he's a billionaire. Uh, you know, he tripled his wealth in the last year in a pandemic. Like, hey, is that really like Elon Musk wasn't out there like mining Dogecoin himself to triple his wealth? <laughs> We're talking like a systemic failure of like this is that that funneled massive amounts of wealth to these mm-hmm. people at the very top. That's not necessarily his fault. He's the beneficiary, absolutely. But uh, can you blame him for that? Not really. T- so I think I think this isn't necessarily a defense of him. It's saying that I think we miss the forest for the trees when we talk about when we talk about uh, sure like like Elon Musk. But but the um, internet has a unique disdain for him, right? Because of his you know his whole like kind of weird, slightly edgy. Slightly uh, libertarian, you know, appearing on the Joe Rogan, like oh, hella libertarian, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a whole shit, bunch of stuff right? yeah. that he goes on Joe Rogan, that he uh, that uh, that he's dabbling in cryptocurrency, you know, that he makes that he's doing space. Like, I have a lot of respect for the guy, understanding that you know, like beneficiary generational wealth, blah blah blah. All of that is yeah. true, but. Uh, it's not like if you take away if Elon Musk is somehow like snuffed out, none of these systemic problems that that we're dealing with go away, right? Yeah, like with a lot of things, I think it's less about him and the type of people who like him, and that's mm-hmm. what most oh, people yeah. I think have a problem with. Yeah, oh, like God, they talk about the like Bernie Elon Musk syndrome? wants to colonize wants to colonize space. Okay, um, no one like well, sure, like. NASA should be should be uh, should be better funded. Yes, what's your argument here? <laughs> In the vacuum created by the lack of government infrastructure, the lack of investment into pub- grand public works, the lack of uh, in- public interest and funding for things like space exploration, space travel, all of, you know pushing the actual frontiers of this shit, then of course that's going to of course that creates a vacuum for people like Elon Musk to step in. Yeah, you're saying um, that they're lobbying. His critics are lobbying the critique at the wrong, you know, yes. person, the wrong source, right? It should really be at the system, at the government, not having the cojones, I guess, to do almost what he's doing to some extent. Yes, um, and they, they, you know, like during the pandemic, there was a lot of critique of him because they're like, oh, he's trying to like, uh, he's trying to uh, fire people who want to unionize and wants to move his factory out of California uh, because California was in, was enforcing, you know, like uh, lockdown restrictions too heavily. Um, sure. Um, what about tax law? Why did we give him that opening? Why is it yeah. this one guy's call whether to do that or not? Right? Why do we not have uniform labor rules that no CEO can overrule because he feels like it? Yeah. Okay. I think we've uh, talked enough about uh, Mr. Musk. Let's uh, get to the main topic <laughs> of our podcast, Moxie. So, um, was that? It wasn't my idea to watch this. If so, I kind of apologize because I, I, I hope I didn't waste people's time. I'm kind of glad I watched this, uh, but you know, I don't know if we would have otherwise. I just heard of this first because there was some talk. Hey, there's a there's an Asian male character, and he's a he's a love interest. So you know that's how I first heard of it, and but I had no real interest in watching it. And the reviews seemed like generally positive. So I thought, hey, you know what? I heard it was kind of cringe, but let's let's just see how it is. Oh my god, I did not, I had no idea it would be this bad. Um, just just quick thoughts before we'll you know go through the the general storyline for people who haven't seen it. What were you guys? No, 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 no one's seen this, and like. Let's advise them to not watch it. <laughs> then all the more reason we need to explain to them uh, the, the story of this of this movie. So I'll get to that, but okay, I want to get your all, quick hitters first. Why is it 146 minutes? That's a it really is quite long. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that is long. It was, it was longer. It was 
Why? I was surprised when I saw it. I, I expected it to be like an hour and like 25 minutes. You know? minute yeah, movie or something. Yeah, it's solid like, hour 30 Mortal Kombat, you know, like nothing longer than that. Yeah, like every single like um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the, you know, the all the movies that you you like you guys name dropped in the outline, all of those like cult, you know, quote, teen movies clock in way shorter, way tighter, way better editing. Um, something about that, you know, just not that it's the end all be all, but a tight time constraint really does help. Uh, no, like, exactly. Generate and, creativity. And that's the problem with Netflix. There is no consequence for making a movie too long, other than the fact that it's sucking. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, in a theater, it'd be like, okay, we want to show this movie X number of times. Uh, we only have 24 <laughs> hours a day yeah. and, you know, and eight hours of yeah. those, you know, people are sleeping. But here, it's just like, yeah, go ahead. Uh, make it like four hours if you want. Who cares? Uh, yeah, so. Um, uh, uh, Philip and Liza, any quick thoughts before I start uh, guiding everyone's hand through this travesty? I will go last because I think my my opinion might differ a little bit from you guys. I was just going to say that this makes even like Green Book or something seem nuanced, you know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like this is wokeism at its current manifestation, just the total cringe and the absolute worst aesthetics on earth. Um, I don't know. Do you guys like remember those terrible Kirk Cameron evangelical movies from the early to mid 2000s? No, but I I get what you're saying. It it just (laughs) looks... I I swear that like bedroom set uh with the the fairy lights and everything. I was gonna has... say the fairy lights, yeah. Everyone's room on Netflix looks the same. No, now. like never have I ever. I think to all the boys yeah. I love before. Yeah, they all uh, have the same bedroom. They all I think use that same fucking room with the same lights, and it just looks Etsy like something you would order out of Etsy. It's it's just urban sickening. outfitters. You should yeah, see yeah, the it's, uh, it's whole yeah, aesthetic. it's a total urban outfitters aesthetic. I mean, even the evangelical movies, they were less embarrassing than this. (laughs) Because those evangelical movies usually had like, they had like a specific thing that they were trying to say. And it was, it was like, this is an anti, you know, like you could tell immediately it's going to be an anti-abortion movie or something, you know? And like, this movie has nothing to say. Yeah. All right, Philip, uh, give us your quick review. I actually watched this movie before you guys did, right? I watched it, I think. That's how week. we found out about it is from you. Well, I, I shared oh, the so trailer cheerful. and I was like, you're probably going to cringe at this, Chris. I remember writing those exact words. Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't bother to tell you guys to watch because I thought you were, were going to hate it, which you do. <laughs> I, I I was okay with it. I, didn't think, I don't think I disliked it as much as you did. I definitely had to come in from the perspective of like, who is this movie made for? Like, it's not made for me. It's not made for, it's not made for like, you know, media crit- critics and so on, right? Like, like us. But does it even pass the muster for the audience that it's directed towards, which are, I guess are high school girls right now? No, I don't know no, about it's that, not right? aimed at like, them. I just said uh, when we were uh, in our signal, I think it's for like developmentally stunted, like 30 something <laughs> millennials. I think that's who it's really for. Yeah, how, how, how old, old is, is Amy Poehler? Yeah, how old is she anyway? She's 40s, 40s, late 40s, like I want to yeah. say. Amy Poehler? Yeah. So that's, she's like, is she Gen X or is she old millennial? Like what is she? Um, she's like I think she's young gotta Gen be X, like I feel. Oh, Gen she's forty nine. That's uh, that's she's solidly Gen X. Gen, she's Gen X. X. Yeah. yeah. But I, I think felt- her st- her style is very millennial. That's why, uh, you know, when I was in college, you know, The Office was hot. Um, what what's that? Uh, Thirty Rock was hot. You know, Mean Girls was hot. Uh, and a bit later, Parks and Rec. Uh, so I, I think her style is very millennial. And I think what what falls apart here is she. You tries to do the same thing except for Gen Z. Yeah, she's trying to make a movie that's kind of like reliving her heyday, but for like the TikTok generation. And mm-hmm. she might have, you know, hit the mark with like a millennial crowd, but it definitely 
would not either. I don't think she hit the, the mark with the millennial crowd. We hated it. Yeah. yeah. Um, you yeah, told, but you don't, you but told you don't... Chris that he was going to hate it. You told me that I was going to be screaming at the screen. <laughs> sure. Sure, but but I, I like I think that we also have different tastes from average millennials too, right? Like I don't I don't think it's even for that for that crowd either. I mean, I don't um, think so. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, but but um, think about how like because I don't know how much she had to do with Mean Girls. Like I don't think she wrote necessarily as much as uh, Tina Fey, but they're known to be collaborators, right? Mm-hmm. Like they kind of understood that generation better, I think, than the Gen Z generation, and that that explains why maybe Mean Girls was like doable by a by a Gen Xer, but not. Not this movie, right? Yeah. Um, anyway, I I thought it was like you know not not a great movie, whatever. Like I thought there's a lot of heavy handed shit in it. We'll get into all those parts of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let, let's get into that. I'll just Can start kind of. Can I be kind of mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You mean like right now or like in general throughout no, like this right episode? Now. Oh yeah. Right go now. ahead. Go ahead. Um, I don't even think that like someone from the TikTok generation could do a better job at this movie. Because they wouldn't make this movie because they don't make movies anymore. Well, well, well they're also too young. Their TikToks, also- they suck. Well, well, yeah, but yeah. at least they're kids, <laughs> so they have that excuse. I don't think they have a generational character yet. I think. Well, I know. I think that's a great point. It's like the reason why this sucks, and Euphoria also sucks. And uh, did you see that SNL Gen Z skit? God awful one. Yeah. <laughs> um, that also sucks because I don't think anyone really knows what Gen Z is. Gen Z just kind of sounds like online talk, and online talk doesn't really have an age for better or for worse. In which like a 50-year-old is as immature as a as like an 11-year-old. Doesn't Gen Z start at like like you're born in 1996 or later? Yeah, something like that. And but they still, have buying power. Yeah, but they don't have so like a cultural identity of, yet. That's what know. I'm saying. They might. They I might, mean, but, like, but people don't like, know what it is. They are like, some of them are done with college now. Uh, yes. Uh, at, the, at, the, at the oldest. So like they are adults. Yeah, I mean, but I'm not saying they're not adults. I'm saying that Nobody, at least the ones in power, have a clear grasp of what exactly their cultural identity is. I think millennials had, for be- whether it was accurate or not, it, we were like entitled. We uh, were kind of lazy. We we thought we were owed, uh, you know, our our dream job out of college. You know, all true, <laughs> right? But we had that, and people played off of it. Gen Z, I don't know. People don't. It. I think it's it's just like usually some variation of millennials. So. I anyway, don't, I don't even know if that's true for millennials because you always see all these like random reports and studies that come out that show stats that show that like what we thought was true about millennials. Were com- well, I know I'm not wrong, saying right? that is true, but I'm saying that is what was commonly accepted. It was distinct. It actually yeah, it, it was accepted. Yes, there was yeah. a, there was a common there's a common narrative for what a millennial was like. Yeah, that's correct. Even if well, it was off. Yeah, correct. Anyway, okay, I'll start from the top of this movie. You guys chime in whatever with uh, observations and stuff. I'll just act as like. I don't know, a dungeon master in a D&D game or something. Okay. So the main character of this movie is someone named Vivian. She's, uh, her mom is Amy Poehler. And I, I don't really even know how to describe her. She doesn't really have a personality. She is She's nice. She's a shy like wallflower, right? She's nice. I think that's that's the best way to put it. I liked her best at the beginning of the movie. I hated her at the end. <laughs> I guess because you don't know anything about her at the beginning, so... She's kind of and a it- Mary Sue that kind of goes out, goes out of control. Yeah, and then her her best friend uh, Cynthia is that her name? Played Claudia. By, oh, Claudia. Claudia. Played by Lauren Sai. Absolutely ridiculous. The idea that Lauren Sai would be the shy wallflower. Um, Who is she? She was. I've never seen the, her before. She's from Terrace House, the uh, the Japanese reality she's show. From Terrace House. Oh, is she? Yeah. Which, which season? 
Um, I think it's the one where they were in Hawaii, Aloha State. And it's just I ridiculous. I watched that one too. Because she's like a real life model now and stuff. And the idea that this, uh, you know, statuesque, beautiful woman would be this like mouse. I don't, I don't, I, what did you guys think? Did, were you buying any of that shit? Or were you just like, what is, well, what's going on I mean, on isn't here? that called acting? But I mean, they didn't even like bother to to even give her the obligatory um, dowdiness, like like even a thick pair of glasses. She just <laughs> yeah, she looked like she was obviously too old to be the age of the character she was playing, right? Um, anyway, so they're like these two girls, and they're kind of like you know uh, wallflowers. They are just like you know going through college. I'm not going through high school, and they dream of going to Berkeley together. And um, one day, uh, pardon me if I'm missing a step, a new girl comes, uh, what's her name again? Um, Lisa? Lucy, Lucy, I'm forgetting all these names. Lucy, who is Afro-Latina, comes in and then she starts immediately getting picked on by Mitchell, who is played by Patrick Schwarzenegger. Yes, he is Arnold Schwarzenegger's son. Immediately picked on? Are we sure about, uh, like, like are we remembering the movie the same? Yeah, Philip. Yeah. Uh, that's what happens, right? Yeah, that's yeah. like in the like the, her first day, basically. Yeah, he immediately just starts uh, being a dick to her. And I thought he was just ignoring her. No, he was no, trying to hit on her. No, over the great gaspy was... thing. I remember that's Wait a minute, when I so first hitting on her as being a jerk to her. I don't remember. I don't understand. No, no, no. no, no. The, so I... the movie kind of like the first scene at the high school, almost you know, like homeroom. Um, that's uh, that's when uh, Lucy. That's her name, right? Um, mm-hmm. The black girl, the new girl at school, she criticizes uh, Great Gatsby, and then that's when Mitchell speaks up to uh, defend it. Right. So that's him being a jerk, is stating an opinion. Well, even and before that, he so she doesn't like Great Gatsby, but he does. So we have to make a whole movie and a whole movement about like why he needs to be taken down. No, no, no. no, no, no. Likes, I mean, no, because of that. And then it just so like that just sets him up, and you're, and it's not that he that should be considered it's that it's very clear that the movie wants you to see him as a jerk because you know she's making a great great all she's hitting the bullet point of of uh, of demands right a uh, book written by a white a white guy with money um why do we like uh, uh, talking about the american dream you know she wants to see more stuff by like immigrants and women the working class uh, all of that and that he's pushing back on this at all it's just kind of like the same thing that you're talking about here like this is this is how be, uh, this is how quote wokeism plays out right yeah it's like it's like why it's like why a twitter playing out basically but on screen yeah. right and then you right. see that you said disagreement and then the camera kind of clo- close like pulls pushes in on like that smirk on his face um you know doing doing that whole like sleaze bag thing and then it, it slides into that scene where he like spits in her drink backing up for a moment i remember like the first thing that happens i think he like sees she's a new girl like walks kind of like up to her desk and just like stands there and she's like can i help you and then he's like i don't know can you or he says something like that and he he gives her this like mock flirty look which, oh yeah, yeah 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 which is obvious that he would never go for someone like her but he's like implying you know like i could well, th- well okay then you find out something about him later towards the end we'll, we'll uh save See, that you, you, that's too confusing so he walks up to her and it's such like a it is it is a bit condescending but like i don't know it's just to me it's just like just get over it have you ever been to high school before god Fucking kids are horrible. That's what Lord of the That's what Lord of the Flies is all about. Right, right. And then, um, and then, uh, as Jess was saying, there's this uh, scene where she is uh, Lucy is trying to get 
a soda from a machine and then he takes it and spits in it. So at, at that point, you're like, okay, this guy's something's off in his head. But she was also a bitch to him. Yeah, sure. Um, but, you know, let's say, okay, so he's like the popular jock and she's a new girl. And uh, so I'll, okay, I, I'm going to try to be generous, give her the benefit of the doubt and be like, okay, he is not good. Like objectively speaking, not good. But why is she supposed to be painted as the good one is what I'm trying to say here. Yeah, no, I, I think the movie does just assume that... It's like, it assumes that she's supposed to be good and like she can behave in a way that's... I don't think it's that much different from how he behaves, but hers is forgiven just because she's like not a white guy. Mm-hmm, yeah. Like she's well, just as bad as he is. Uh, well, like... Um, as far what? as like she's an opinionated blowhard just like he is. Yeah, well, in the end, uh, you know, you, you find out yeah, he is... Yeah, at the end, but that's like very... And that's yeah, why they so, have to so go in so right cartoonishly. Now. That's why they had to go, like, blow it so far out of proportion to really nail that message home. And, and that's the thing, like, Mitchell is so not, like, hateable because he's such a cartoon figure. He's immediately, has no redeeming qualities. He's not even, like, bully should at least be kind of, like, charismatic in their bullying ways. Like, you can see why people want to, you know, suck up to these people. But, like, you look at Mitchell and you're like, he doesn't even have any friends except for that that black guy who just, acts like his like weird buffoonish manservant that, that was yeah. a really weird dynamic yeah. Yeah. especially since mitchell's bullying a black woman you see like this black guy joining in on him like what, what the hell's going on here but it's like you know no, you never get the sense anyone actually likes mitchell he doesn't even look like much of an athlete i mean unlike his daddy he barely even has any muscle and like why why is this yeah, guy I, like I was, I was shocked that he was the qb i was like this, this guy really? <laughs> more like the water yeah, boy the, you know like so i don't like so amy poehler and tina fey both wrote they wrote mean girls right they did such a good job they did such a good job making regina george into a villain yeah and maybe like, they're just they, better they, at why were they women? were they holding know. back on mitchell or something Maybe it's a gender thing. Maybe they just know how like a mean girl acts. They don't really know how like a mean boy acts. Maybe maybe a like a man needed to to write that, but I'm not sure. But yeah, he's just so toothless as a as a villain. You're like, why is this guy even a, a like a real threat? He just doesn't seem believable. And that's the ultimate downfall with all these characters. None of them seem real because you like you think of like the great high school depictions. Oh no, they're walking Twitter accounts, yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. They're, they're twi- Twitter accounts uh, on legs. You think of, like, I think the best high school depictions, Freaks and Geeks, uh, Friday Night Lights, the TV show, Superbad, um, yeah, Fame, um, I, Election, um, yeah, stuff like that. Why are they all good? It's because... Heathers. Uh, yes, Heathers. Um, why are they good? It's because the kids seem real. They're all kind of awkward. They're not constantly on, you know, in, in that kind of on mode that a lot of these woke shows uh, and movies make their characters perform in. And, you know, uh, teens are stupid. They're on PC. They're inarticulate. They're gross. But, you know, in this movie, everyone's so polished. Uh, you know, they're, they're all, as you said, it's walking Twitter accounts. Yeah, it's. I think it's a shift from exploring a dynamic to putting a message across, which no, exactly, turns this yeah. into just like a a, a PSA. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, sh- so, like, Liza, you talk about like Kurt Cameron evangelical movies. I think I remember one. If I most remember, like, like really stilted camera angles and dialogue. What I remember more clearly are like the uh, "Just Say No" campaigns from the nineties. <laughs> I'm sure mm-hmm. we all saw those. Um, mm-hmm. at school where it's like some like cartoonish caricature of a drug dealer like hey kid do you want drugs and the kid's like no <laughs> do you guys want to smoke I drugs I would never 
<laughs> I wasn't alone in this, right? You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, Reefer um, Madness has more lasting power than this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this movie has so, that quality to it that I've described before of, of other movies and shows where it feels like every every scene or every like episode is some kind of like lesson they're trying to teach you, right? Mm-hmm. To the point where it becomes almost kind of like a lecture, kind of school. They're trying to like cover all the all the greatest hits of social justice, you know, in a two hour twenty minute movie. That, yeah, that came it's, a, it's like a greatest hits of like Twitter talking points. This yeah. was the most YA movie I've ever seen. It had everything. It had like the the you know uh, Lucy and I forgot the name of the uh, person she kisses at at the at the concert. So you had the the lesbian couple. You know, gotta be inclusive. You had the the disabled character uh, have to be inclusive there too. Um, you had pretty much like every race kind of represented. Um, it, it was just yeah, it was such a like I said. In my mind, I was like, this looked like it was made by an algorithm, but it probably was. You know, it's Netflix, <laughs> although it was based on a real book, but <laughs> I could not believe how many uh, predictable notes it hit. Um, okay, so uh, Vivian's thing is that her mom used to be like this punk rock chick back in the day. She's and, a riot girl. Uh, yeah, and then she like kind of finds her mom's like old leather jacket, her old photos, and decides, hey, this like you know feminism thing might be kind of cool and <laughs> this feminism thing might be cool yeah so and then that. um as she starts noticing you know mitchell's fuckery and um i think the big catalyst is when she realizes that kiera who's the soccer team captain is not going to get like the like the student uh, athlete award which comes with a ten thousand dollar scholarship instead it's gonna go to mitchell uh, that came before she made the zine? Uh, guys, Something set no. her up. She went home mem- and she started scribbling out this stuff. And then like very Jerry Maguire, she stays up all night making this like pamphlet. Oh, was it, and was it a tank top to incident? Kinko's. It was it a tank top incident? I, that was the first one, right? The tank top incident I was I think when, it was. I think that yeah. came before the Kiera thing. Uh, yeah. So, okay. So tank top incident, there's this girl in her class. She's, let's say, very well developed. And the principal played by Marsha Gay uh, Harden, uh, is like, you know, she's very kind of by the book, conservative. And she asks her to cover up and then this causes a thing in the school. Um, So I kind of forgot what's the inciting incident, but long story short, uh, she decides to create the zine called Moxie. And uh, in it, um, what exactly is in it? It's It's when Lucy, it's when Mitchell calls Lucy something. Oh, the C word. Oh, oh, the, oh yeah, we totally yeah, forgot yeah, yeah. the list. The, the yeah, list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a big thing that you get introduced to in like the first scene. The list is, uh, I guess, it's the like guys. It's like this list of superlatives. Yeah, and it's all uh, made by the guys. And they list, you know, be- most bangable, you know, best ass, uh, you know, best boobs, whatever. And then while they're at a pep rally, it, the list comes out. And then they add this new category, uh, biggest, I guess, C word. And Lucy gets what voted on. What is the C word? Oh, cunt. Well, well, what do you think it would be? <laughs> was it was that made clear? Because I, I don't remember well, like them actually... It wasn't were, clear to me, though. They were alluding to something being said about the new girl, but it wasn't exactly clear what it was. What's her name? Vivian asks Claudia, like, oh my God, what does it say? And Claudia's like, oh, I don't want to say the C word. So yeah, oh, it, it's that. Okay. Yeah. It never would have occurred to me. Um. Anyway, if yeah. It so wasn't I, explicit. Yeah, I think that's the inciting incident, Jess. Yeah, you're right. Um. So... Yeah, Lucy, uh, Vivian makes the zine and then um, 
distributes it into like the girl's bathroom and then people just start suddenly pick it up and then it, it spreads like wildfire and she kind of starts this like feminist revolution um i'll pause there and get your thoughts on this because i think there's a lot a lot of things to say it the movie kind of goes against itself here so you know this part of it is setting up this like very conservative environment where uh like abuse and harassment gets swept under the rug institutionally as you know that ham-handed scene with the principal that wants to you know have uh lucy downgrade her complaint from like harassment to bothering oh, yeah, uh, yeah. stuff like that uh like um uh, and just, you know, internalized sexism again. But when the main character just tells Lucy, just, just let it go. Don't just ignore it. And Lucy stands up and is like, well, why should I uh, let it go? He should stop being a dick. Um, mm. You know, so kind of normalizing the sensation that the school is very, very conservative, like kind of stuck in its ways. Uh, again, the same like environment of silencing. Yet somehow this like underground feminist uh publication without even you know names added to it somehow takes off like wildfire only 50 copies too i'm impressed yeah. the kids wanted to read something um right like, this it's is just... not this is not real so this is so you're kind of setting it up the environment in one direction and then kind of undercutting the next like look if it's if it's the kind of place where such a thing would gain traction or be widely you know um understood and received we wouldn't be in the situation if it's that easy we wouldn't be in the situation to begin with i think right. the, i think the idea what they're trying to set up though is that like there is this air of like you know toxic masculinity that's about and condoned by maybe not the students necessarily but certainly the the teachers and the staff um and that maybe it was tough for people to speak up about it until someone decided to go and courageously put together a pamphlet that they put in the the women's washroom that spread around. Yeah, right? sure. I mean, I all of that is is we've seen examples of that happening, right? Like like Me Too movement getting started with uh with um several like anonymous complaints, right? That mm-hmm. uh, slowly gained traction. Um, but the speed and intensity that this takes over the school just seems like um, a white feminist power fantasy. Yeah, it also seemed weirdly dated to me. Like, why would people read a zine as opposed to just like using it for spitballs? Yeah. I, I think like, she would have just would created a TikTok. Why would this not be taking off on like a Facebook group at least? See, that's where that's where I actually forgive the movie because I think that because they are, you know, they're kind of, I mean, not kind of. She's definitely copying off of these older movements, and they yeah. they did it through like newsletters and zines and like pamphlets because they're trying to stay they're actively trying to stay anonymous and off the grid and local too right like and it's, local. it's relevant yeah to she only the... wants it to be in her high school she doesn't yeah. want it to be con- like she doesn't want this to be at other high schools she wants but it why about- not that i think that's such uh opposite I think, of I think typical gen z because i think that she was really like targeting a cert that one person i really think it was all about mitchell right but if you want to really ramp up the pressure on him if but instead she didn't of, like- seem like she wanted to I mean, she's so meek about everything. Yeah, it's really hard to see this or this movement galvanizing around her, which is why I feel like I see this. This is just like this is kind of wish fulfillment on the part of like say Amy Poehler or the woman that Amy Poehler is uh, is putting in as a, as, as tr- trying to represent here yeah, a kind of wish fulfillment fantasy stuff that these women watch this and wish you know they did themselves at their high schools. 
um, or that they could find the, you know, find the courage to do so in their lives right now to just you know, take well, action. And it, and it just tantalized, it just, the movie just kind of gives you this tantalizing wish fulfillment fantasy that if you did this, um, it would be re- well received. You will be able to see uh, meaningful change and you will have done a good thing. Yeah, one of you said uh, it seemed like Amy Poehler had actually written this a while ago and it had, or she didn't actually write this, but whoever wrote it and then updated it. That <laughs> I said might, that. Yeah, that might be true. I said and that I, in The Signal, I think, where uh, um, mm-hmm. this, it sounds like this movie was written like probably around the time of like Mean Girls fame, super I mean, bad fame. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the movie was just like recycled and then updated to be more modern you know and woke. i i noted two very odd references uh that were clearly out of date one uh is a reference to drop it like a thought which i assume is the snoop dogg song which was popular when i think i was in high school that's like 15 <laughs> years ago and then uh another comparison to britney spears even yeah. older that's like 20 plus years ago when when you would compare like a, a, a girl in a tank top to Britney Spears. That is so weird. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, wouldn't not, be not surprised to mention that all the this Rye movie stuff, was right? originally intended to be like a raunchy teen comedy with a vague moral lesson, but instead all that woke shit was written into it to make it more current. Right, right. And that's, it. that's why it's so, it feels so unnatural. Yeah. It, it, it was it written in, it was the, the novel was written in 2015. So not that long ago. Oh, it's based on a novel? Yeah, it's based on a YA novel. Yeah. But we don't know how... Uh, how faithful the script is to the to the novel. Yeah, I'm sure. gonna read it. Sure, definitely. and obviously, like Amy Poehler had a bunch of you know her her own creative liberties on it, right? But like a lot of it is, it sounds like you know her trying to take her own aesthetic of whatever feminism meant to her her time, and place it into the kind of Gen Z TikTok world, right? And that seemed to just amount to nothing more than just like having some scenes where they're on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, right? and even the whole like uh, the tank top protest idea where all the girls would wear tank tops. That's also, I think, a very kind of something that would have been automatically like feminist maybe 10-ish years ago. But I think nowadays that would even get pushback from feminists being like, hey, we're just basically putting on a free show for the guys. And it's even uh, referenced <laughs> by Mitchell. Yeah. He's like, yeah, this is the feminism I can I can support. And, but it's no longer uh, pursued more. It's like, hey, wait a minute. That is kind of what's happening. And, and a lot of, I think, uh, feminists nowadays would be like, hey, wait a minute. You know, all this like, kind of like casual sex uh, slash, um, you know, uh, sex positivity, it just plays into guys like Mitchell's favor. So it would have been interesting if, if there was some kind of examination about it. No, it's just like it's presented as is, as if we're still in like 2008 and this is just automatically what happened to, uh What happened to slut walks? Did that stop? becoming a thing no they're still around i mean i mean yeah. not not in pandemic season but there's one in italy that's uh <laughs> it's called free the nipple it's okay. uh yeah. so it's held like once a year in venice california and basically it's just it's a lot of um like i don't think there's uh, i they they pose as like a feminist you know protest or something to come to protest against the unequal uh dress standards you know where men can walk around shirtless but women can't um, yeah, I want to say the, that there's a slight the cause difference. of our lifetimes, truly. <laughs> um, and so it's a whole bunch of like, so it's like, it turns into it's like a whole parade where people just walk around like march topless and talk about like yell about free. Oh, the yeah, nipple. guys are like, so bothered by that. Let's, <laughs> really, yeah, that's let's really show gonna... them. Let's put yeah. them in their place. 
so (laughs) um and like it's hard but it's hard to shut them down because they they present themselves as as like a progressive protest movement just happens to be like a free peep show um Mm -hmm. and you can even feel been been like like an ally for attending like it it, it feels like a lot of these movements have been kind of co-opted by some sort of corporate you know, corporate motives, marketing Well, I motive. think the corporations are a little bit smarter than we give them credit for by co-opting the ones that actually mean something. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, I I thought maybe, you know, you guys have all seen the, the CIA ad, right? The the woke ads. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. I think is they're, they knowingly made it ridiculous to try to split the left because you're going to get the, the class first leftist being like, ah, we told you, you know, you, you social justice SJW types, all that you is nonsense. Us? Oh, maybe uh and then but then those people start being defensive and then um they'll they'll kind of inadvertently end up defending the cia of sorts i kind of thought is this movie a, a psyop to try to uh, make <laughs> wokeism look ridiculous because it's just so bad that I mean, way interesting but, thing about the cia no, yeah. is it hard is, to make uh, wokeism look ridiculous anymore <laughs> no i don't think so i think i don't think so and i think there's a, there, there's got to be a line right like arguing like c- critiquing wokeism is not to critique uh, the politics that it is ham-fistedly and somewhat cynically uh, abusing, in fact, right? Um, it's This is entirely about, this is just bad art. This fails as art. Yeah, I think the people who care most about its principles should be the ones attacking it the most because you're making it all look stupid. Yeah, but they don't see that. That's the problem, right? They, they Like Amy Poehler genuinely thinks this is a good thing for young girls of the high school age to be watching so, to learn about, about feminism because maybe they don't get it. I think these are all relatively cynical cash grabs. Like we know how much money is being these streaming but, services are app are pouring into content creation that's finding like smaller billion, and smaller. Hundred billion over hundred billion. But, a year. but by yeah. saying it's a cra- cash grab, you, you're saying that there's an audience for this and there's money for this, which means well, that you this said is it was a top message. ten pick on Netflix. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. for like a week. It was in the top ten, maybe not number one, but like I think number two and down um, hung out for a little bit. So people watched it. Well, I mean, I don't know. Oh, I I don't doubt that people watched it, right? But um, Netflix they doesn't release numbers. They were probably expecting numbers. Mean Girls. Maybe, yeah, totally. And Netflix doesn't that. release numbers. None of them really do, right? What is the difference? So I don't know what the difference is between a number one and a number ten, right? What is the gap there? <laughs> uh, given how point. much content, how much new content comes up, that could there could be orders of magnitude. There could be an orders of magnitude difference between what the number one pick and the number ten pick is. What's the criteria sure. for number 10? Are we just always assuming that this is the mo- 10th most watched thing? Or I'm just is it saying simply, it, wasn't, it, 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 it wasn't one of those straight to Netflix movies that was, that was instantly forgotten. Like people actually watched it. Yeah, I, I think what Jess might be saying is that to an Amy Poehler, it doesn't matter. She's going to get paid anyway. The, uh, yeah, Netflix she's going to might- get paid. Um, it doesn't matter what that audience size is because Netflix doesn't release those numbers. It's more important to Netflix that they have the exclusive on an Amy Poehler film. That's than, like feministy and you know, yeah, woke to make and all that. A, yeah. to have that name in their in their uh, roster is more important than you know how well it necessarily does because that information is actually private. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. For something like this, like it didn't even show up in my recommendeds at all. Um, I had to go look for it. I mean, I guess I could have seen like the the top ten list and seen it there, but you know, like I'm not. Those top ten lists are there. always so depressing. Just how <laughs> bad it is. So I had to actually go and look for it, and I only heard about it when you guys told me about it. Yeah, I apologize. The fact uh, that it's <laughs> a top ten pick, honestly, that just most likely means that people watching this movie, no matter who it is, like I, I mm-hmm. would say that most people are not like us, but. I'm just going to assume that these people watching it, 
They think that the cultural battles are over stuff like critical race theory and wokeness. I, I feel like people like Amy Poehler and the people that she writes for, they believe that these battles are fought on leg, like legitimate terrain, like how high schoolers can, I, I don't know, like grapple with the country's complex past. Or they think that the suddenly ubiquitous topics of like gender identity and feminism or ID politics and like preferred pronouns, they, they think that it irritates only the most right wing people who are just a little bit old fashioned in their thinking, but like nobody wants to think that they don't, no one wants to think about what it means that kids are just being bombarded from, from every angle with like indoctrination that is, I I would say like probably developmentally inappropriate and definitely inappropriate for a public school system. Mm -hmm. It's straight bias. It's like, why is, why does no one ever think that like, prioritizing an activist mindset is more important than understanding the core subjects all of a sudden. Like, why is this the priority? And you don't even realize it's happening until it's absolutely everywhere and it's become so normalized. So like now to be absolutely obsessed and consumed with woke ideology, now it's the norm, but it's actually so divisive and like sophomoric. Like, how does this help anyone? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, we will. We should talk more about that. But I want to just get back to the storyline. Um, and then, you know, feel free to chime in everyone uh, when you want. So, um, you know, Vivian starts getting advice from her, you know, once radical mom on how to organize. And then oh, they had, there's this cr- super cringe uh, dinner scene where she's like asking her mom, like, you know, oh, what did you do? Like, you know, can you give me some tips? And her mom's like, yeah, but I have some regrets. Um, we weren't intersectional enough and we called our <laughs> oh, meetings no. powwows. And it's like, really? Those are your biggest regrets? Um, it just, it was so obvious that Amy Poehler knows she, uh, I'm this like rich white woman. I'm going to get attacked for being too white. I got to throw him a bone. So let's say we regret not being intersectional. What the fuck does that even mean? Like what? what <laughs> it just is. I think the one of the worst, the worst line in the movie actually just barring out the worst line it was so pandering and like i i, I got hope to god nobody actually talks like that oh you know they do this is exactly yeah. how that comes i think that goes. this is how people talk i think that like i think that people because it's becoming so normalized everyone is adopting like the linguistic imperatives of wokeness like if you don't talk like that then you must be some like i don't know you must be some creepy trumper you have to talk mm-hmm. like that now. Mm-hmm. It's a it's an in group signifier now to to know the lingo and to to walk that walk. Well, it's really talking the talk to make it look like you're walking the walk. Um, <laughs> because for all of that, like, okay, so so now we're seeing like a generational transfer, right? So Amy Poehler, uh, Lisa, let's say, um, gives her daughter the lessons that she has learned, the principles she wishes to pass down to her, and but also says. Um, yeah, but we weren't inclusive enough and we didn't use the right language for our activism here. But none of the core problems that that such, that such quote, intersectionality is actually meant to address was actually addressed by this movie. Yeah, because we don't, we didn't so it's like say none exactly of it was it actually is, yeah. even, none of it was actually even, up, if they were actually trying to walk the walk that they're espousing, the principle that they are saying that they are espousing, this probably wouldn't even be Vivian as the main character. Mm-mm. Yeah, I, I thought the only character who who had like a legitimate 
tangible beef and had a good thing was Kira, who is the soccer mm-hmm. captain who was uh, denied the scholarship. I think there's an interesting movie there. Her, her team's doing great, but this football team sucks. But just because Mitchell's the you know great white hope of the school gets all this attention, that's an interesting story right yeah, there. Yeah, we could have had Rocky, basically. Yeah, mm-hmm. something like that. And it, it parallels real life um, issues with, you know, the, especially the U.S. women's soccer team and everything. But yeah, it's just like, why do we care about Vivian and, and so forth? Yeah, so this... The story is still centered around a bland uh, white girl and her white mother who are the agents of change, who ultimately will be the saviors of this of this story, this universe that they've created. Uh, mm-hmm. so that's the, that's the them, wish fulfillment, right? Like that's, the yeah, that's the be... wish fulfillment part uh, where you give a little lip service and you add enough color to your coalition, but ultimately you are still uh, the leader of it. It is still your right. mission and your victory when you fulfill it. On behalf of everyone else, um, but because you threw in the word intersection over there, you can't be criti- criticized by anyone who's not a white woman. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's crazy that you know they claim to have these politics, but then you take a step back and look at the movie. Uh, they are just walking the. They are just walking the. Nothing changed. They're just saying. Yeah, different I, I thought it was really unrealistic how Lucy goes from somebody who's like always on edge and then suddenly she's like BFFs with Vivian. Like, hey, you know, what's up, sis? It's like, wait a minute. It felt like there was like five or to ten minutes uh, of the movie that was cut that would explain why <laughs> they suddenly became friends. And that's another thing. Um, Vivian and, and Claudia start drifting away as Vivian starts uh, becoming part more of this Moxie set because she she like secretly is is publishing this and nobody knows who who mock who does Moxie and that's kind of a question and Vivian just like trying to be anonymous. All the while, uh, Seth, let's talk about Seth, who is played by Nico Haraga, who was also in Booksmart. He was one of the. So that's where I've seen him before. Yeah, he was like okay. one of the cool guys in Booksmart. Well, he's and... the cool guy in this one too. He's not annoying, at least. Uh, well, I, I found him incredibly about. irritating because he was so unrealistic. Yeah. He is the type of guy, if I, you know, if I had a daughter and I and I saw a guy like that, I'd be like, yeah, watch out for that guy. That guy's no good. He's a total faker. He's up to he's something. He's the woke fish. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's up to something. <laughs> like that no no guy like naturally acts like that. He would not that his like um overall beliefs what are bad, the, but it's just what would the halfway point, the realistic halfway point between Mitchell and Seth look like? Like a Seth has to kind of screw up a few times he cannot always be so he was like, too perfect so, he was like too yeah. perfect to the point he, where he was just oozing insincerity i don't think he was, that he, he was perfect i actually thought that because vivian was such a mess i thought that he was just normal i didn't think he was perfect <laughs> that's that's one way to look like at he it. was I, pretty reasonable on everything i thought i yeah I, I thought he was but i thought he was so like i didn't think that he was annoyingly that, perfect at all or unre- unrealistic I thought I thought he was, and it got to the point where I was expecting the big twist to be that he was like a rapist or something. The rapist, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, no, because you think like it made me think back to Promising Young Woman, where like you know, oh the, yeah, the yeah, no, good point. Ryan, Bo, yeah, Ryan was like a kind of a really good guy, and then in the end, it turns out he was part of the fucking system, and that was no, a good, no, great, that great was comparison, a great, yeah. a great lesson to teach about like where this can go. Not to say that all men are bad, right? But to at least have some fucking depth to the characters, but. That was my issue. Like, I was glad there's another, you know, hot Asian guy playing a, a, a good role, but his character was just so fucking, you know, fake. Like, no one is like that, you know? Or maybe they're, or maybe they are like that. I don't that. know. I, I actually like thought that because, be, be, like, when you're comparing them, I actually thought that he was pretty realistic. Jess, what are your thoughts? 
Um, I actually, I liked him. He was a fairly, mm, okay. I, I don't know about realistic because I don't really look for realism necessarily. I can take a, <laughs> I can take a, uh, I can take a surreal character. Um, it was a pretty good model character, I would say. Like you could do worse than if, like if you're young, uh, you could do worse than take your cues from him. He's supposed to be, he's supposed to be like, if he's not supposed, if, if so if there is a person who is not a complete jerk like Mitchell, and there isn't like the, the completely deranged, um, vague rebellion of the Moxies, then there's Seth as the half, he's like, he's the stand in mm-hmm. for the audience. Yeah. He's my us. issue with Seth, my issue with Seth was that he seemed like a character who had traveled to the future, knew <laughs> everything that Vivian was going to say, and had tailored his answers to achieve like maximum, uh, like make her happy the most. It just nothing seemed organic. I would think that he was what probably. Well, like 16, I mean, 17. we could just say that's bad writing, but I would say that like obviously the writers are trying to make him the. Uh, they're trying to make him the audience stand-in who's the skeptic of like standing back and looking at these people like Jesus Christ. Can you guys mm-hmm. get it together? Yeah. It's like I, I I just need like a 16 or 17 year old boy realistically should be kind of like fumbling his way. Like you could you should be able to see his intentions, good intentions. He should if he's good, maybe like 75% of the time he'll do the right thing. But 25% of the time he'll kind of fuck up and say something that'll Unless piss her off. Unless you are the one that is constantly screwing up. Uh, yeah, in sure. Vivian's case, yeah. So mm. it's just it's just bad character design, character uh, development, just bad writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because I I compare him to say, hey, another like kind of similar mold where you know the, the kind of overlooked Asian guy who turns out to be the right guy, like uh, Irwin in The Edge of Seventeen. Right. Uh, you know, he was so much better because he was. You know, what's the know, difference turned- between him and Seth? Well, because like Irwin wasn't always saying the right things. In fact, he like could barely say anything at all. He all, was incredibly awkward. He would fumble his words. Was remember he? that first kiss? Yeah, remember that first kiss scene in the in the Ferris wheel where he's like awkwardly lunges at her at Nadine. I don't know if you remember that scene, but yeah, I just really like. I thought uh, she was because she was so awkward. She messed up that kiss. <laughs> you mean in the Edge of Seventeen or yeah. in this? Mo- no, 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 Edge of Seventeen. That like she's so awkward that she messed up what would have been a perfectly romantic kiss on Irwin's part. Yeah, they're both they're both kind of like. Uh, nuts. I didn't and think I- that he was awkward at all. Yeah, and I, I think a movie like the Edge of Seventeen is actually much more like feminist in an organic way because the whole point of that movie is, yeah, you know, if you're a teenage girl, you can be you can be messed up, you can be very selfish, you can be very insensitive to others, but you know what, like that doesn't make you like the she devil, you know, there's a way, you know, we all kind of go through it. That was like the ultimate message of the movie. Whereas this is just so ham fisted. Uh, anyway, so back, back to the movie. Uh, where were we? So she's doing this moxie thing. It's getting steam. And then their whole campaign is to get Kira the scholarship. Uh, but then uh, Mitchell ends up winning it anyway. And, you know, they get very sad. It, and Vivian gets very disillusioned. And um, it's a very obvious uh, hero's journey. Right, like placed in here for Vivian. Yeah, and then you know her her mom <laughs> kind of gives her a talking to. She reconciles with Claudia, and uh, and then in the end, turns out Mitchell was a rapist. So uh, <laughs> that's really how see fa- that's the thing that was where I had such a problem. My biggest problem is the writing because in the last ten minutes of the movie, Mitchell is suddenly and accused of rape. And then the Moxies have a reason for their movement. But until then, there was nothing. And it's yeah, like, oh, yeah. how convenient for them. 
because what would have happened if he was never accused of rape, which is most likely the case if this was like real life, you know? And, and then they just pretty much set out to ruin this poor boy's life for, for like no reason other than he likes the great gat, the great Gatsby and he like doesn't (laughs) find the Moxie girls attractive or interesting. I think that's a little bit unfair. I think they, they've actually, and we listed the like various incidents where there was obviously a like environment of oppressiveness towards women at the school, like at various There was? Levels. Where were they? Yeah, like from the teachers to like how students reacted to the, like they, you know, they played down the whole like, uh, you know, setting, setting one someone home for wearing, you know, cleavage I didn't think that they played that down. I think like that. that the school was in the right for sending someone home. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> I'm saying that, I'm saying yeah, there's, there's a lot I mean, more than just the they hate a Mitchell. Like, like Mitchell was definitely uh, one okay, factor. So, okay, so go, going back to that, the very first thing that set her off to make the Moxie zine was that she was enraged about the school dress code issue that the well-endowed girl was wearing a... The well-endowed. The well, you, that's what you said. The I said, oh, well-developed. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> Mine was... Okay, so the well-developed girl was wearing a tank top that was just a little bit too... Um, it showed off too much, right? And she was like, just because my body's different doesn't mean that I have to like adhere to the dress code or whatever. It's like, no, because your body is different, you have to adhere to it even more. Put a turtleneck on. I do think that modest dress has a, has a place in an institution designed for learning. Like if your body is different and something that looks normal on someone who's flat chested looks indecent on you, then just cover yourself up and get over it. Yeah, it's not it's not fair, but uh, I mean, like, look, if that's the issue, then they could have thought thought it through and come to a better solution, right? The solution where uh, a a full chested girl is, you know, walking around in clothing that does not properly, you know, uh, cover her. That's not fair to her in the end. Uh, if that mm-hmm. makes if if that uh, if that opens if that opens her up to being targeted or gawked at, that's not that's not dignified either. So if I don't it's, think it's misogynist tra- either. Yeah, like I went to there was a, a dress reality. code at my high school. We had to wear a uniform, so you would be sent home if your skirt was too short. I went to an all girls school that was run by women. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think like you know our own judgments of whether that was fair or not was the point. The point was that this, that the characters thought it was unfair amongst other incidents of things happening at the school that they thought were unfair. Not so let's just find Mitchell, oppression right? in places where there is none. That what there was they, they well, characterize a whole the, bunch. Or have the characters come to an actual like systemic uh, a viable solution that actually preserves uh that actually helps everyone in this case, right? Like how did how did the, the movie opened with a too good to be true black character uh coming and talking about, you know, uh how she wants to grapple with issues of class, uh, you know, and uh and gender and and race and all of that. But this only solution you can come up with to a what to what you think is an unfair application of the dress code policy is for everyone to to like to show off their bodies um what would be the actual equalizer why did nobody ask for like uniforms if we're talking about an an environment of learning where everyone is equalized across class uh gender race culture differences why did no one talk about a uniform i agree with that why is the solution that they come up with somehow the one that actually panders to quote male gaze the most that's a little weird (laughs) Yeah. Also, it's in the nature of high school movies and just like high school age people to be dramatic. So, you know, you have like Lucy talking about like, oh, yeah, this is the revolution. Why, that's man. why schools are not democratic. Okay. Because <laughs> yeah. you are and, not developmentally like you're not there yet. Okay. 
we will tell you what to do until you are old enough to figure it out yourself. Yeah, I mean, speaking of democracy, let's take a look at a movie like Election. Like in on paper, it's ridiculous. Like, why do these people care so much about a pointless election? But hey, let's let's just in, let's just take these characters seriously and respect how uh, invested they are in it. But at the same time, this works as a black comedy. The problem with this movie is when Lucy says something like, "Because you know, girls are the revolution, man." I don't know if that's the movie kind of uh, saying, "Oh, you know what? These are such." kind of like cute idealistic kids let's kind of humor them kind of thing or if they're actually taking them seriously i think if you portray them as well-meaning but uh kind of you know silly kids play acting at being revolutions i could i think you could make a very charming uh movie out of their uh being melodramatic but i think this movie actually takes them very seriously that hey you know these girls are just inherently good and if they ever take power uh peace will bring about the world which i think is very condescending to women it just denies them of any complexity or character basically saying yeah any bad that women do hey just look at mean girls shows how horrible girls can be that's actually all just uh, manipulation by men uh they can't think of themselves so if you just um uh let them be they're just going to be basically like uh you know mother mary saving you it's condescending isn't it yeah, that's true. But I would say the bigger critique on this one is actually that it's um, it's uh, it's like a modern iteration of the pull yourself up by the bootstrap stories. What's mm-hmm. uh, what's that author in the uh, 19th century that did that Horatio Alger, right? The rags to riches stories mm-hmm. uh, where it'd be like some some orphan, you know, on the street, some dirty or- orphan on the street, like selling, I don't know, newspapers or something. And then, and then through hard work and luck and, you know, innate noble nobility, they somehow become like robber barons at the, by the end. Right. This is some iteration of that, um, where it's, a uh, it's a call to action, uh, kind of laundered as a, uh, like, like, um, like destiny fulfillment, uh, and then also like the expectate like it sets an expectation um, that you should be doing this. Yeah, you could be a, a meek, quiet wallflower of a you know young personality, less white girl, but still also cause a revolution. It's kind of yeah, like and that's you, not going to happen. You should, and that you should, right? Because it's the it's a whole like kind of rah rah narrative to how feminism should be or could be uh, conducted on you know on a high school campus. Mm-hmm. And again, it's not actually spearheaded by, you know, spearheaded by any anyone in this intersectional rainbow coalition. Uh, nothing about the underlying power dynamic has actually even changed. This is like another resume building activity. By the girl whose bedroom has fairy lights. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the only so, part that the movie left out is the part where uh, Vivian and Claudia get into Berkeley at the end of the movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, they, that, that would have been... They bullied a dude <laughs> who... Right. Uh, well, I guess at the end, he wasn't really being bullied anymore because he was a criminal. But, you know, what would the movie look like if Lucy was, um, if Lucy, if some mean girl came up to Lucy and like said the same thing, you know, I don't know. Can you? I think that would have been much more interesting. Then, Just, then what uh, would they be rebelling against? <laughs> uh, you know, I think that's what that what that's what would make it interesting. It would be a it's much not more so- interesting movie. Yeah, but don't don't like, tell you, us. Get that Netflix deal, girl. 
<laughs> remember when they're at that concert and then um and they're like yeah we're against like the white mediocre male I mean, like oh god like do okay, people really so, talk yeah, like the this the kids yes really they do about. i think that people do talk like that now oh man you know they do, my god high school must suck even more these days you know you know they, it already sucks but oh man it's a hell pit now but let's let's take this one step further right like where will vivian be in 10 20 years right uh, assuming she'll be a fundraiser for the Democratic be. Party. Yeah, she would be a very toxic person. I think she would be in the she'd corporate world. She'd be a world. Warren staffer. Yeah. <laughs> or no, no, she'd be like at um, NPR or something. You know. Mm-hmm. Or like a, like produce, lead like a counsel junior producer for a startup. Um. So th- this is this sets. So you know, it's kind of a feel-good movie now. But think about what kind of personality, that, what kind of uh, what kind of savior complex would be bred in a person that actually was able to fulfill on the terms uh, that this movie set out. This this is going to be a very toxic adult. Yeah, but people like that are being produced even without like a fairy tale environment, high school environment like the one that's being shown here. I mean, like, is it is it fundamentally different than how how it was uh, when we were coming up? I remember that thinking, uh, like, oh, the youth will be the leaders. You know, you have to be leaders and thinkers, and it's up to you to change. The, we're counting on you to fix everything that's wrong in society. Um, you know, think... this is how you're going to make your name. This is how this is your cause in life. Uh, I don't think all that much has changed. It is. It's I definitely the agree. differences. Uh, the means, the means, and material conditions that people have access to now. Yeah, I, I think we were definitely the same. We just weren't so uh, insufferably self righteous about it. We were just like, um, yeah, we're, we're I like. I disagree on that one. I would actually disagree. Oh yeah, how so? Uh, I think I, I think kids are arrogant. Uh, I, th- um, I think uh, I think maybe this culture is particular. Maybe others. I don't know, but I think there is a particular worship of youth that happens in America. Um, oh no, I definitely agree. I'm talking yeah, more about the language that we would use. There's definitely a worship of youth where like America, unlike any other country, it's like, think about every single movie that you see. It's like the child is the one who teaches the parent. The child is the one that opens <laughs> so the true. teacher's eyes. And yeah. that is like, it goes against everything else. Like mm-hmm. that's not how that works. The child is not the one that's right. The student is not the one that's right. Mm-hmm. And it breeds thinking it's, like... It's the uh, parent that teaches the child. It's the teacher that teaches the child, not the other way around. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be talked down to by some like 16-year-old that thinks that they know everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you're going to get that anyway before the... You know, oh, yeah, I'll be okay boomered. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. So, but like, yeah, I'm still not... It's not going to make me level. listen. Yeah. No, just, um, I definitely agree with you, but I, I'm talking more about the, the language, uh, language and rationale. Like, for instance, if like Carrie were to take place today, I mean, like... When Carrie was first written, she gets revenge on all her bullies because they're just fuckers, you know? Like, fuck them. I'm just going to kill them all. Now it's going to be more like, oh, they're, they're, um, they're like capitalists or they're, you know, uh, misogynists. Or it, it'll be that. And it's not, the same instinct is there, which is a lot of it is about like social status, um, things like that. But now there's this like veneer, like, oh, you can't even uh, call me out because I'm like a saint. I'm doing this for, I, I'm, you know, I'm like a civil rights leader. That's what I was talking about. Yeah, I, I yeah. The there. activism mindset is definitely it's it's um it's way it's way more prioritized today. Yeah, so I think that everyone toxic everyone calls themselves complex. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a savior and complex really that would get extremely virulent. <laughs> you know what was one um, kind of self aware moment in the movie that I thought would be interesting if they kind of like did a movie around that idea 
Uh, tell us. Was when um, you know the teacher, um, Mr. Davies or whatever the English teacher. Oh, I didn't even know his name, but yeah, Ike Barinholtz, the That's guy right. played by him. Yeah. yeah, I thought he was he was pretty good in his role. Um, but there was a one there's one scene where he starts to I don't I forgot what who he was talking about exactly. But he's starting to say some shit that might be misconstrued as toxic or whatever, and people start filming him. Oh yeah, yeah. in the class, and he's like, "Oh, I see you now have cameras on, so I'm not I'm gonna not say anything." You know, that kind of self-awareness that, like, we have this new kind of cancel culture that exists all the way down to, like, our high school lives, and you could it could completely ruin your career. Like, there's isn't obviously... That, isn't there a word for that? What they just did there was, it's like bullying? Yeah, yeah. well, I don't we know. Used... What, I, whatever you want to call it, You right? know, but someone like... starts to say an opinion, and all of a sudden, it's like the phones come out, and it's like, you know what, like, just forget it. Right, but, but, the, the, but what I'm saying is that, like, Amy Poehler, or whoever did the screenplay, like, had some awareness of this pressure and environment that exists and it was kind of encapsulated but then, in that but then little went scene. the opposite direction and encouraged it yeah i mean they they kind of they just kind of like went they just kind of like dropped that and, and moved on but it was interesting that they saw that you know and it would be m- much more interesting to have a movie around that kind of air right that kind of environment that's being created and what that can can brew and so on right yeah. Um, but no, that was not the point of the movie. <laughs> yeah, imagine how freaks and geeks set in the year like 2021. Like who what do the geeks look like? What do the freaks look like? I'm I'd be interested in that. But these shows, they're never that honest. They're just, you know, just it's just preaching to the choir all the time. What does it mean um that on Ron Tomatoes, this has a tied 70-70 tomato meter and audience score? I was very surprised by that. I thought this would be the type of movie that would have a big discrepancy, but I guess people kind of liked it. I don't know why. How many reviews? For the reasons I said earlier. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When I said there's a reason why this is a top 10 pick and the reason why it has 77% because people don't think about what it really means. They just buy into it and they, they just think that anyone that doesn't buy into this must be some like crazed, like Christian right wing fundamentalist who's just right, like right. But but the scores show you that it, it hit the sweet spot for both the audience and the critics as well. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's because people bought into it. People have bought into this this woke ideology. Yeah, you know, know they're making that. that Heather's remake, right? Oh God. It's gonna be How so How do they do that? Are these gonna rewrite I know. the ending? There's, they're just going to rewrite the whole thing. It's like not even going to be... It's just going to be set in a high school. That, that's the only thing it'll have in common with and the And they're original. all named Heather. Yeah, and something like that. <laughs> I bet they're going to do that thing where like no villains. They actually all become friends uh, or, or some shit like that. Um, it's just... <laughs> leave it I, alone. Know, I think this was... I, I think this is just a victim of uh, the, the streaming... Uh, the way content is produced in the streaming era. Mm-hmm. Where a lot of it is, you know, uh, a set, uh, you know, media by by numbers, where you just check off a bunch of boxes uh, for demographics. I don't even think they they think about content first. They think about the audience first. What does mm-hmm. the audience want to see? And then at that point, you can just check off some boxes, and then mm-hmm. boom, package this movie on up and ship it on out. Yeah. Um, AI like, it's like writing SEO like for uh, mm-hmm. It's like yeah. writing yeah, SEO yeah, yeah. for um. Yeah. So I'm not yeah, it's just hitting keywords, hitting key topics, uh, get some fancy names on board. Um, I think this was a resume builder for Amy Poehler, probably for all of the the actors in it. This is just a resume boost. Um, I don't think it should be. I don't think it needs to be taken more as more than that. Like, there's nobody who's seeing this who thinks that this belongs in the canon of American cinema. It's just purely content to be consumed and discarded. 
Yeah, my issue though is if this is like crowding out anything that could actually be good, or um, you know, it's just it's just like sending out more noise into this uh, cultural puzzle that we're all just like trying to wade through. So I think I think there's a strong virtue in calling stuff like this out, being like this sucks. <laughs> yeah, but there's also nothing really good on Netflix to your earlier point about the top tens being shit, right? So yeah, at least but, the movies. I mean, the TV shows I think are much better than the movies, but the movies are incredibly depressing if you see the options. Yeah. Um, all right, uh, we are almost at our 20. Um, oh, okay, why don't we end on a positive note? Let's recommend some good high school movies that, you know, as a palate cleanser, or even like feminist movies in, about like young people that that you know people should watch instead. Anyone want to go first? I stand by Risky Business and Fame, mm-hmm. but make sure you watch the 1980 Fame. Not yeah. oh yeah, there was a remake, right? Not the remake. Oh and- yeah, forget about that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, Risky Business. Um, I find the I find Clueless charming. Um, I still have not seen it straight through. I've only seen like parts of it on TV. Yeah. Delete yourself. Delete yourself. Yeah. Don't let people know that, Chris, that you didn't see Clueless. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I stand by any any revenge any movie where the female protagonist gets revenge. Like actually mm-hmm. just really mm-hmm. gets to murder the shit out of her. Uh, so Kill Bill. Of, yeah. That's that's inherently I, that's feminist to me. <laughs> we'll stop there. Uh-huh. I thought, I mean, we talked about this earlier, but like Mean Girls was an example of where someone who's a little bit older than the cohort they're trying to represent was actually decent at writing it, right? Tina Fey being a Gen Xer writing a movie that was really for millennials. So that one definitely did well, I thought. Also, it was a film, filmed uh, at, a, at a school nearby where I live. So See, I think that one worked because um, the best ones will tap into something universal, uh, that will so somebody it doesn't matter what generation you're necessarily from assuming you're writing within the same like century right uh, yeah. like the construct of high school or something right um, like I think what Tina Fey did with Mean Girls was tap into like a social dynamic that's just inherent to the the like the high school life I think mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's and I think the big break between this and and uh, between Mean Girls and this one is that this one is trying to hit topics that people are assuming are relevant to some This is going to be dated by like next week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't relate to anything in this, uh, in the depiction of high school life that they presented. And that's, that's not, that's, that shouldn't feel, it shouldn't be that way. Uh, high school has, the fundamentals of high school have not changed that much. It's just in this fantasy world where they're trying to ascribe motivation and psychology to this imaginary cohort of people that things start going off the, off, off, uh, that's when it just, things go off the rails here. And that's no longer about describing a social condition or a dynamic. It's just, uh, it's a, it's a PSA. It's just, uh, it's putting out some creator's point of view uh, in a complicated mm-hmm. way. When a tweet thread would have done just fine to describe everything in this movie. Yeah, too many of these like Twitter movies and Twitter shows. It's it's uh it's terrible. Um, my recommendation, I got I, you know I love like super bad. I love The Edge of Seventeen. Uh, recently watched Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I guess that's kind of a high school movie, but I have to say Friday Night Lights, the TV show. If you have not seen that, oh my god, it's so good. And it it does that perfect thing where it takes a thing that is really kind of insignificant, which is like small town Texas high school football, but. It, it gets you so invested in it and no, it does deal a lot with, 
you know, things like, you know, misogyny in high school, there are parts where, you know, the, the popular cheerleader and the popular uh, uh, football player, like, like he cheats on her, but, you know, people think he's great for that. She does the same to him and she's suddenly a slut and all the boys and all the girls basically uh, turn her into like uh, Hester Prynne or something. And it, it does that in a very natural way. And um, there's a, a Tammy Taylor, a legendary character. Um, she's the one of the the like characters there and she's like the guidance counselor slash coach's wife and you know it's just it's such a good show and it really does address all the issues that something like moxie wants to but can't because it's too clumsy and it, it just you know I, I don't think it really trusts itself enough okay uh all right i think we can wrap it up there just so much for joining us i think we're gonna see a lot more crossovers I mean, it's not even crossover. Yeah, it's like we're we're all part of the same family anyway. So she's not really joining us anymore because we're all just like we're back together again. Yeah, we're we're all gonna be part of the same blob. Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. this was this was really fun. I usually spend most of my time doing doom and gloom already. (laughs) This was this was this was so cheerful. I hate (laughs) low bar. Yeah, we will we will good watch some things, uh, love watch some things as well. Do we have White Tiger coming up? Oh yeah. Yes, but you know, Arnold said the movie sucked. I like the book, but I I don't know. Maybe the movie. I love will the suck. movie and the book. Okay. All right. We, so it's a we love watch see. and a love read for me. Cool. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So uh, as we said at the beginning, uh, after the next episode, episode forty, unverified accounts will now be on the Escape from Plan A feed. Uh, we'll make announcements um, and all that, so you'll know what's going on. So you know, join us next week, uh, and we will see you then. Bye, everyone. See ya. Bye. Hey.